Welcome to Mentor Text for Munchkins. Welcome to Mentor Text for Munchkins. I'm Kelly, an early literacy specialist who walks the line of pushing the curriculum just outside the box. I'm a mom of five and a lifelong children's book fan. This podcast shares ways to inspire young readers and writers through the pages of great picture books. Listen to inspirational biographies of the writers behind some of the very books we have on our shelves. Get mini lesson ideas as we talk shop and discuss outside the box learning for home and the classroom. We make books, authors, and literacy strategies real. We are bringing joy back into our classrooms. Whether you're here for inspiration, mini lesson ideas, or to fall in love with some of your favorite children's books all over again, welcome to the community. Hi, and welcome back to the Mentor Text for Munchkins podcast. I'm Kelly, and I know it's been a little bit. September is crazy. So I know everybody's just finishing up the marathon of the first full month of school, depending on which part of the coast or part of the country you're in. And some of you are like, ah, I got this. I'm in month two. But I wanted to talk to you as many of us are entering our personal narrative units and getting into now different genres and types of writing after we've gone through our routines and different strategies for getting ideas on the paper of a few charts that you may want to start right now and build with your writers over the course of the school year. So today we're going to talk about three charts that you can start with right now that can grow with your class over the course of the year and evolve in different units that you're using and pull double duty in reading and writing workshop as well because we love a good chart that we can use in reading workshop and then turn around and flip it to now look at it from the writer's perspective as we try that as well too. So I'm gonna jump right into it. And if you're looking for visuals of these anchor charts, you can find them on the blog at www.mentortextformunchkins.com. You can click the podcast tab and you may also find them on Instagram. I'll be posting them and some are actual charts Uh, that we are already building and starting as well too. So let's get started. So by now, it would be the most ideal that you have a chart. If you don't have this already in your writing workshop, you would have a chart that goes over what to do when you're done. So if you have not started this chart yet with your class, this is something that you want to do first and foremost, and that gets through that writing is a process that we're continuously going through, how writing has different aspects to it. So it's not just we wrote something, we got to the end of the paper, we finished it, we put it away, and we never look at it again. So writers go back and they see if they can add to the words, they go back, they see if they can add to the pictures, or they start a new piece. Those are the three strategies you'll see the most that are posted as options for writing. You can add to the pictures, and go back and see if you're ready now to start a new piece. But I challenge you to think a little bit more how we can give them some information without going into too much just yet in the beginning of the year of the beginning of editing and revising and why that's important. So there's a little bit that we can add to that chart, that basic chart of what do writers do when they think that they're done 
instead of just saying they add to the pictures, we can say uh, they add more details to the pictures to make it easier for the reader to picture it. Instead of saying we add more to the words, we can say we add more details to our writing to help the reader picture it. And then when it says we start a new piece, it says we start thinking about some of the ideas we want to catch and start a new piece with one of them. And I know the basic chart before this that you'll see is less wordy, but this is a great time to get kids into the idea that there's a reader, that these are the things that help us as a reader, and these are the things we do as a writer to also help our readers understand more. So just like you like more detail in your pictures, well, guess what? So does your reader, because that really helps you picture it. And just like you really like words in the books that you read, well, so does your reader. And then how you don't just start a new piece from scratch, because kids are very literal, and they'll be like, ah, I just got to start a new piece, that you start to think, because there is that little natural break as a writer. You don't all of a sudden say, okay, this is done. I added everything I think I need. I'm just going to start something new. There's that reflective moment where you pause and say, okay, what is it I want to do next? Which idea do I want to go with next? And work that out in my head a little bit before I start into a new piece. And then it's also a good idea depending on your grade level. So if you have kindergarten, first grade, uh, you could even do a beginning of second grade. You could stick with these options on the chart, we're going to go back and add more details to our pictures to make it easier for a reader to visualize. We're going to go back and add more to our words to make it easier for a reader to visualize and understand. And we're going to start to think about our next piece and get going. That would be enough. But as your year goes on, remember we talked about how these are charts that we want to have grow with our students. You could also add options such as I can share my writing with a partner and use their feedback. That'd be a great option for kids who are done. Um, another option that would be a really great piece of language to start with kids is I can go back and reread my writing and fix it up to make it easier for a reader to read. So, and that can have little bullet points under it. So that initial routine chart can eventually become a writing process chart where you're starting to look at the editing pieces, the revision that goes into it. But kids at a very young age can start to understand that there's two things that writers do for a reader. They fix up their writing to make sure that it's easy to read. That means it's not messy, that you can read most of the words, they're not crushed together. We did the best we could with our spelling skills. We checked our word wall words. We tried using capitals and punctuation, depending at what level they are at. And then there's things that we do as writers to make it easier for a reader to understand our writing. And that's things such as adding details and using juicy words and including certain structures in our story. So this chart can grow beyond, I'm going to add to my pictures, I'm going to add to my words, I'm going to start a new piece. Two, I'm going to add to my pictures so that a reader can visualize it. I'm going to add to my words so a reader can visualize and understand it. I'm going to stop and think about what my next piece will be and get moving. I'm going to share my writing with a partner and use their feedback. 
I'm going to go back and fix up my writing to make it easier for my reader to read. So these are strong options that you can bring in. And editing makes writing easier for a reader to read. Revising makes writing easier for a reader to understand. So that's simple language. If you're looking for a definition for kids on what that means, or even a definition to hold around like, ah, oh, am I doing an editing lesson? Am I doing a revising lesson or revision lesson? Ask yourself, is this making it easier to read physically, such as the syntax, the grammar, how it looks? Is it making it easier for the reader to understand, comprehend, and picture it? That's revision. And it's a great time, even in, with our little, little ones, to have them do some form of editing or revising at their level, even this early in the game. So that's one chart that you definitely want to make sure you have in place. And again, it can grow as you add more revision strategies as they're ready. As you add more editing strategies, it can get bigger and bigger or have little post-its stuck to the side of it of different options. And this is just to give kids the idea that writing isn't a task that's finished, that writing happens in different stages. The stages can happen in different order and that it's a process that we keep going. We write and write and write. And if we feel like we're done with writing for the day, there are other things we can do as a writer to keep our work going. Chart number two, you might have heard me say the word details a few times. And then there might have been this moment where you said, if I say add more details, everyone's going to look at me. You know what happens when I say main idea and details? Do you know what happens when we say details? Kids nod their head and say, sure, I'll add more details. And then they go back to their seats and they have no idea what you're talking about. So we are going to create a chart with them that's going to break down this juicy, juicy idea of details. And I'm using the word juicy because we are going to make details so much fun that kids are going to be obsessed with them. And this chart works. I have used this chart for, oh my goodness, over 15 years. And it's one of my favorite anchor charts. It's one of the first anchor charts that I take out when we're starting writing workshop. Because even all the way down to the kindergarten level, I have found this really brings their writing to another level and it demystifies the idea of what we mean when we're saying add more, what we mean when we say tell more, what details really are. So I'm going to start with an analogy and this is how I open it up with my class. I take a picture of an ice cream cone that I draw on chart paper and I put a big scoop of ice cream on it. And it's plain, just a circle. I'm not an artist. And I write on this scoop, your writing. And then I say to the class, I say, you know what class, your writing is a lot like ice cream. It's good. I enjoy it. Your reader enjoys your writing. And I said, just like ice cream, ice cream by itself, it's good. We like it. It's good times. But if I tell you I have a scoop of ice cream and I'm putting whipped cream on it, and then I'm going to put rainbow sprinkles. And then I'm going to add some mini marshmallows to it. And you know what I think I'm going to do then? I'm going to add, I don't know, some marshmallow topping on it, some hot fudge. And immediately the kids are like, oh, oh, that's so good. And I'm like, well, you, you weren't saying that a few minutes ago. You smiled when I said ice cream. But now that I'm talking about everything I want to put on it, you're getting all excited because you're starting to picture it and you're connecting to it. You know what it's like to eat sprinkles. You know what it's like to have hot fudge. 
and it's making it a more powerful experience for you, me describing ice cream this way. And then I pause and I say, well, guess what, writers? Today I'm going to show you how your writing can be just like this crazy ice cream that we just added all this topping to. That your writing, when you add little details like ice cream toppings to your writing, it gets more and more delicious. Your reader can picture it, they can connect to it, and they can't wait to dive right in. And we start with something very basic that most kids can easily add into their stories. So we talk about first who is with you in your story. That's a detail. Where are they? And when does this happen, right? And those are things that kids can visualize very easily. It's really fun language for them to play around with. And it's something most kids can put into their stories through either pictures, if that's the stage that they're in, or through words. So here's how this works with that ice cream chart. And we've used different styles of charts. I'll explain that in a second as well, too. You don't have to go and make a giant ice cream cone. But you can take these details and put them onto index cards and introduce them one at a time. So I start out with the most basic details. As I said before, who, where, when. I write who on an index card, I write where on an index card, and I write when. When I did the ice cream analogy, I wrote them on things that look like sprinkles. I got the colored um, index cards that were in rainbow colors, and then I cut out some cardstock to look like whipped cream, and I cut out some cardstock to look like cherries. You don't have to go that big. You could just use index cards. We've done this in other classrooms. The title on my anchor chart is Writers Add More Details to Help Their Reader Visualize and Understand Their Story. Their writing, actually. Let's keep it blanket because you can use this in procedural text. You can use this same chart in nonfiction, informative, opinion. It works for everything. And we add the biggest details that a reader needs to picture, and that's who, where, when. You do not need to introduce these all at one time. It will be too much. If you have the little, little guys, if you have students who are more experienced writers or who are older, and I've already had this background knowledge, then you can kind of review this. But for the little um, or beginning writers, one at a time is, is great. So let's talk about how this can go. So let's say we're doing um, how writers write about big feeling moments. I would say to the class, so writers, we've been learning about how we can think of big feeling moments and share them with a reader. Um, we sketched out what our big feeling moments were like. So today I'm going to show you how readers really want to know who was with you or who is in your big feeling moment story. Watch me as I go back today and I really think about who was there in my big feeling moment story. So let's say my big feeling moment story was catching a fish uh, on a lake. Not because I live on a lake or anything where I catch fish. I do. So this is my big feeling moment story. So let's say I have a sketched picture and it shows me on a boat and I have my fishing rod and I have in the next image, there's me pulling on the fishing rod. And then the third page is me pulling the fishing rod out with a fish on it. So I would say, I think I was, I thought I was done. But watch how I think about this detail about who was with me 
and I'm gonna work really, really hard to picture it. So I'm picturing it, but I remember, I remember my husband on a boat with me. He was standing over here, and he's a more experienced fisherman. So he was over here on the back of the boat, and this is where he was fishing. And I'm gonna think to myself, oh, you know what else I remember? I remember Madison was out in the water, my daughter, and she was out in the water in a kayak, and she was with her friend, and I'm going to put her and her friend in their kayaks over there. And her friend's name is Alyssa. So I can sketch those in really quickly. And then I'm say, oh, you know what? If a reader picked this up, they may not know me. They can't call me up and say, who are these other people in your story? I should write their names above it. And I can label me, Alyssa, Madison, Dave, and then say, so you see what I just did? Just by thinking about who really was there in my story and really picturing it, I was able to add three more people who were in my story. And then I made sure that I put their names there so that the reader really knew who these people were in my stories and they wouldn't be confused. They wouldn't have to call me up and ask me, who are these people in the picture? They would just know. So now it's your turn. Let's go to our shared story and let's really think about who was with us when we wrote our story together and the kids can turn and talk and think about who else is missing. They can come up and do some interactive writing and real quick create some labels in your picture and then say to them, so today writers, when you go off to write your stories and you are looking to add more, one of the ways you can add more detail to your story is really thinking about who was in your story and really picturing all the who's around. And you can catch it with a name so that your reader knows this is exactly who is with you and it helps them understand it more. So that who detail card would go on my anchor chart. So if I was using the ice cream analogy, I would put it as a topping. If I'm just using a plain anchor chart, I could say writers add more details to their stories to help readers understand and visualize or to their writing, I keep saying stories. And then put that first card up who and put a little sketch of a person next to it with a label with a name. That visual cue will take them back to the fishing story, will take them back to our shared story throughout the year. So it's important to have a visual cue there that means something to the kids and the kids understand what it's there. This also makes it more useful so that the chart doesn't become wallpaper. Next lesson on a following day, I can connect it back to how we know that we can add certain things in our stories to make it easier to understand. And today I'm going to show you how writers really think about the where. And this is a great lesson to show how everything isn't floating in space because a lot of young writers especially will sketch where their bed is floating in space. They don't draw the background. So this is a fun way to show how you can sketch the background in and you can sketch exactly where you are. So uh, I've done this lesson where the kids even were able to visualize what kind of air conditioner they have, what kind of taps they have on their sink. It's amazing what they really can visualize and how much detail goes into it, still in the sketch, so that they're, they're not spending all their time on the picture and not getting to the words. And then we talk about how we can label that and that can come down into their writing. So if you have younger students or earlier writers, in the early writing stages, you can go to that labeling. Um, and then more experienced writers, 
in different stages or who are older, you can talk about what kind of words bring those details in and how to introduce people to the who and the where in your story. So this chart will grow over the course of the whole school year. And there's certain details that lend themselves to all kinds of writing and there are certain ones that lend themselves to being introduced in different genres. For instance, I love introducing the idea of time and number when we're doing how-tos. How long should this be? How long do you have to stir for? How many spoons do you have to put in? So we'll usually add the cards time and number on uh, our detailed chart as we get there. You don't want to front load all the details writers use right in the beginning of the year. It'll be overwhelming and they won't have that connection to the different genres as they go through. So some of the fundamental ones you'd like to introduce in the beginning, such as color, sound, feeling, and even weather is a really fun one. And if you wanted to do time, you, if you're doing personal narrative, you can talk about time words such as afternoon, um, early in the morning. But when you get to how-tos, you can start, start to talk about how the idea of time changes when you're writing procedural text. Time now is going to become more specific and measurable. So you might say things like five minutes or after 30 seconds, that it's procedural text relies on time that's more concise to the point and measured. So it's a really fun way to show how details can change. So my advice for this chart, which it's one of my favorite charts and the classrooms that I've worked in, it's one of the most powerful charts in really helping children understand what it means when you say you need to add more. You're, you're changing your language to, you need to add more, that's not enough. What else can you write? We're transforming it into your reader would like to know more so they can picture it and understand it. And how do we help a reader know more? We add these kind of details to our writing. And it's really a great successful tool that kids can build on the whole year together. So that is the second chart that I recommend. So, so far we have a what do I do when I'm done and going beyond just adding to the words, adding to the pictures and starting a new piece. We talked about how we can add different parts to it and start to bring in some of the language around the writing process and different options that they can have as well. Now, thinking back to adding to the words and adding to the pictures, how do you add to the words and the pictures? Oh, you can look at this chart over here. They work in tandem. Now, how can you use this details chart in reading? You can stop when you're reading some of these powerful mentor texts and say, oh, did you just hear how that author explained who was with them? Let's go back and let's listen to this language because we're building a toolbox of different ways writers use these details. Or did you just hear how this, this writer described the color in their writing, how they really went through it? Kevin Henke's, when you're looking at, some people say Henke's, it's a preference. I'm going with Henke's. When you're reading Chrysanthemum, think about how many who's are in there right there and how powerful that makes the, the story. So there's different ways in how the where, where they where it really specifies when she's home, when she's walking to school, uh, when Chrysanthemum is in her classroom, when she's in a different classroom, that writers really use these details. So don't just use this chart for writing. It is amazing for IRAs to stop and pause and say, oh, 
did you just hear? It doesn't have to be the focus of your read aloud, but you can stop and just say, did you just hear that beautiful language, that detail and how they used it? It sounds a lot like what we're doing in writing. And then just move on. You can go right in. Uh, another tidbit for the details chart, if you're teaching students about the detail of color, which is a fun one to bring in the beginning of the year for a couple reasons, adding color to your details chart um, is great for ELLs because colors are, uh, there's a lot of vocabulary around colors that is comfortable uh, and familiar. And there's a lot of resources that you can use for color words in both languages for both student, both uh, native speakers and ELLs. But also, it's a fun lesson to do to talk about how you can be really specific when you describe color. And one of my favorite lessons to do when we introduce color as a detail, day one we'll just introduce it as a detail. Writers can include the color uh, when they are talking in their stories because it helps a reader really picture what it is that happened or what it is that they're describing. But day two, we'll talk about how color can be very vague at first, but there's a lot of fun ways to catch exactly what color are you talking about. And for this lesson, it's great to have a basket of crayons and choose ahead of time, depending how many kids you have, um, enough of the same color for kids to have either a partner to look on, a small group to look on, or their own. So let's say you would choose blue and you would pass out to your class all the different blue crayons that come in the mega pack from Crayola. They're my favorite to this day. I still have the gigantic box of crayons that I buy myself and they're my special stash in a box. I have crayons out for the kids as well, but oh, there's something about that beautiful big Crayola box. And this is one of the things I love about it. So you take all those blue crayons out and depending how many you have, you can put them in a small group, you can put them with a partner, or they can look at it individually and say, you all have blue. Hold up your crayons, you all have blue. But do you all have the same blue? Are you all holding the same blue crayon? And then have them explore the names of their crayons and they can share them out with the group. So there's robin's egg blue and there's navy blue and there's blue green and all these blue violet and all these beautiful names. I am in love with the names of crayons. Sometimes I just sit and look through them just for fun. There's, and you could try it with another color, green. Oh, but there's jungle green, there's kiwi green, there's green yellow, there's yellow green, and that comes out a little bit different. And it starts to help kids really pay attention to language and crayons are an easy resource for kids to grab and they can use the print on the side of it on the label to help them check how they would like to spell the word. It becomes a tool. So if you separate your crayons into buckets by color, and that's a really fun way for math to keep your crayons separated by color. It makes it easy for kids to find what they need. It's also a great way to display language for writing because kids can come over and say, you know what, I wanna describe that my sweater was purple but I think I want a more interesting word than just purple. I want to have it even more detailed. They can run over to the purple basket and look through and find out which one matches exactly how they pictured it and then use that name on the side to capture it. And then over time, develop their own names um, or kids who are comfortable with it right away to describe the color. 
So it's a super fun activity. It's hands-on. Kids love it. And it really, again, brings home. We could just hand out a color chart and say, add color words. But this is a way that really connects with kids um, on, a, on a different level. So that's two charts in. So now entering, if you're doing personal narrative, this is my third favorite, favorite chart. And I'm going to just describe a basic way to use this chart now. Uh, and then in a later episode, I'll go a little more in depth just on this chart because this chart is so powerful and there is so much you can do with it. And this is the idea of the story arc. So I have um, an episode on planning coming out soon that goes a little bit more into the story arc as well too because it's one of the most powerful tools you can use with kids from kindergarten all the way up in different stages of writing. So the story arc chart looks like an arc, like you're drawing a hill on a piece of paper. And I'll have an image of this on Instagram as well and also on the blog. So it's a big hill. And then at the center of the hill, you draw this big line that makes an arc. We put a big circle underneath it. And we can start out with writers write about big feeling moments, right? So big feeling moments don't always have to be happy. They can be funny moments. They could be uh, times they felt really nervous, uh, a time they were really angry, a time they were really frustrated. So it's nice to have a chart of feelings that you can keep with kids too and kids can add to. This would be a secondary chart, but that they start to brainstorm different feelings and then different moments that come from these feelings. And in that big circle, once they have their moments, so let's say my big feeling moment is catching the fish. I'll go back to the, the fish story, right? And how proud, I felt so proud that I caught a fish. Because I actually love fishing. I just don't know that the fish love me because I'm not really good at catching them, especially for the amount that I spend trying it. But that's a whole nother story. I probably need to read a how-to on that a little bit more. So let's say my big feeling moment is finally catching a fish and how proud I felt. So I would write, if I'm an, a more advanced writer, I would write in the circle, finally catching the fish and feeling proud. Or if I'm younger, I can draw my face, right, of how I would feel. And I can draw a proud face in that circle, right at that center of the hill, right in that arc. And underneath it, I can write, uh, I felt really proud when I caught a fish. So that is the center of the story. And this may sound a little bit different than what you may be used to doing with personal narratives. A lot of times with personal narratives, we tell kids, think about what happened first, think about what happened next, think about what happened at the end, right? And we'll have them touch their story and plan it across three pages. Super, super, super common. In my experience, and this is just my take on it, I find that to be really, really tricky for kids. So I decided to do something different and to think about the moment, the big feeling moment, and make that the middle. Have kids think about the middle first and show them a visual that tells them this is the middle of your story and put that right there on something they can draw on a whiteboard, that arc hill. They can draw on a piece of paper, that arc hill, and underneath it, catch that moment. This is your big moment. That arc 
that hill shows them that the hill is where the feeling gets really, really big. It's center of your story. It is the point of your story, just like it's the point of the hill. And that this is what most of your story will talk about. That's why it's the biggest part. Then after they have that part planned, we go to the bottom of the hill to the left and we say, think about what happened right before. And then we go to the other end of the hill and say, think about what happened right after. This revolutionized my students' writing hugely. Starting with the middle for personal narrative instead of beginning, middle, and end, and having them plot out the middle first and then piece those parts around them was fantastic. So then how that transfers to paper, they sketch the middle on um, their piece of paper and then they can get their first sheet and then they can get their ending sheet. And when you really think about it, most writers, when they sit down to write a story, don't know exactly how it would begin. But man, they know what they want to focus on. They know what they want most of their story to be about. So let's say I'm creating this arc and I have Catching the Fish and it's my proud moment. That's the big moment that's right under the mold of the hill, right under that arc. I would say to myself, well, before I was feeling a little bit different. I wasn't feeling proud. So maybe on that, on my left side of this hill, where it's down here, where I'm starting the story, I'm going to talk about how I was feeling really frustrated and I was sitting there being impatient and frustrated, waiting to catch a fish because I didn't think it was going to happen. I just kept catching weeds. So maybe I draw a small face because this isn't what most of my story is about, but a small face of me looking really kind of like, ugh, and disappointed and I'm frustrated. And then, and I tell, we do the arc with our hands. And I say, now the story kind of goes like a roller coaster, right? So I'm feeling something, but all of a sudden I start to feel a little tug on my line and I make my hand start to move up the arc. And I feel a tug on the line again. And I start really quickly reeling and reeling and reeling and hoping I wouldn't snap the line. And now I'm moving up the hill, moving up the hill with my hands in this arc. And I get to the top of the arc and suddenly a fish appeared. I caught a fish. It was a pickerel. It was mean. It was spiky, but it was mine. And then I start to come down the mountain on the other side. And I show the kids. My hand starts to move down as I tell the rest of my story. And then uh, my husband came and cut the fish off the line. He flopped around. I gave him a good look grabbed a picture and put him back in the lake. And I felt so peaceful because I had finally caught a fish. So what I'm doing is showing the kids how I plotted the middle first. And then I thought about what happened before, what happened next, and I told my story along the arc. So this can be broken into three different lessons. It could be just plotting the middle one day it could be then looking back what happened before and then the next lesson could be what happened right after and then you could do a lesson on piecing it all together but this arc is so important for kids if you're looking for another version of this um there's plot mountain in jennifer saravalo's reading strategies book it has a little bit of a different spin it's more focused on problem and solution or climax but if you were looking for something, this is a version that I found worked really well for me and is more of the story arc 
in general based on feelings and then later on when students become advanced uh, and more comfortable with it we talk about how you start to build feelings and build suspense or or build that big middle feeling that's coming but for the beginning of the year just having kids think about that big feeling moment in their personal narrative how to capture that as the most important part of the story this part that the story will mostly be about it'll be in the middle and then think about what happened right before what happened after this chart can be flipped for retelling and it's wonderful because even if we were going to take chrysanthemum so we could say oh you know how we know stories are about big feelings what was one of the biggest feelings chrysanthemum felt in the story and we could talk about how she was embarrassed or ashamed or she felt uh, you know sad there's so many different feelings there's not anything right or wrong because of her name well what happened right before she was embarrassed about her name what happened after she was embarrassed about her name and you can take kids through the story arc of the mentor text that they're reading as well too and they can practice retelling it in a physical response by moving their hands up and down a hill as they tell the story. I found this to be the most effective way from kindergarten all the way up for kids to really understand how stories go. And it's really been a game changer. And the structure in our students' writing, the depth that they have in their writing, the content, the inclusion of feelings such as detail, has really transformed their writing. It's been really powerful. And you don't need a graphic organizer for it. It's something that you can quickly draw on a piece of paper. If you were at home and you wanted to write a story, it's something you could draw on a whiteboard. It's something kids can create for themselves. So this is one of my all-time favorites. So today we talked about three charts that you could start tomorrow in your class and that is, what do I do when I'm done? And just to recap, I can add more to my picture, more details to my picture to help my reader visualize. I can add more words to my writing to, and details to help my reader understand it. I can think about a new piece and get going. I can share my writing with a partner and use their feedback, or I can make my writing easier to read for a reader. That's one chart. The second chart we discussed today is how do writers add more details? And we talked about introducing them one at a time as you go through and giving an example and showing how that looks so that when we say to the kids, add more, tell more, add more detail, they have a tool in the room that they can look at and really understand what it is we mean. So if you're thinking of details, we're thinking of things such as time, weather, number, feeling, thinking, dialogue, sound, uh, touch, anything that's going to make uh, their writing juicier and more interesting to read. And then the last chart that we talked about that you could start today and use in reading and writing is the story arc and what it's like to plan your story around the middle and really think about the part of the story that captures the biggest feeling that's in your story and then thinking about what happened right before what happened right after and using that tool to help students plan their story pages and how their story will go. So I look forward to building on these charts with you in other episodes and we'll talk about different ways we can reference these charts and how they can grow. 
And I hope that you've had an amazing start to your school year. And for all the important work you're doing, I thank you because it is a beautiful thing to see kids feeling super empowered during writing. And we make them feel super empowered by being really specific in what we're teaching them, giving them anchor charts that we're making with them and showing them how to use these charts with topics that matter to them because this is the real work that writers do when they have something that they want to capture on the page. So thank you for listening. And if you found the information useful and you wouldn't mind leaving a review, I love hearing feedback. And if you have any ideas that you would like to share or want to send some visuals of how this worked with your class or any of your students' writing that you are really proud of and would like to share as well, you can always contact either through Instagram, the podcast, or the blog www.mentortextformunchkins.com. So have a wonderful year, and remember, always keep a book by your side and a story in your heart. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, will you please take a moment to review this podcast so others can find it? Hey, you can double dip and use your review as an example of persuasive and opinion writing for your students. Have an idea for a future episode? Stop by the website www.mentortextformunchkins.com and send us an email with your thoughts. Until next time, remember, always keep a book by your side and a story in your heart.